Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the CDL Podcast channel. In this episode today, we're going to be doing some reactions to the matches this past weekend. We had some crazy clutches, uh, some crazy matches overall. Uh, Kyle and I's team both dropped a match. Uh, I guess they're not really my team, but you know what? We're, we're rolling with it, but we're going to do some reactions to these past matches. Uh, and we're also going to do some predictions for the final week of matches. Crazy to think we're already in the final week of matches before the, the major one kicks off. And then we've got a little bit of a special Valentine's Day segment to end out the podcast. Uh, but before we get into any of that, Kyle, how are you doing today? I'm pretty well. Um, you know, week two done with the CDL matches. Uh, kind of getting excited for... Uh, you know, seeing Lan again in just a few weeks' time. Um, the online is, uh, you know, it's 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 you know, it has its pros and cons, but you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back on Lan, uh, seeing some Lan matches. So you know, that'll be coming, like I said, in a few weeks. And then, obviously, uh, you know, I had the Super Bowl yesterday too. So you know, that was a big, uh, you know, hullabaloo, hmm. big, you know, big ado about you know nothing in my opinion. Um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, so you know, post recovery from Super Bowl trauma, uh, and yeah, so I'm I'm ready to dive in today. All right. Well, if you guys do enjoy this one, you're on YouTube. Be sure to leave a like, comment, and subscribe. We're we're on the road to 400 subs, or we're very close. So that would be an awesome milestone to hit that we'd really appreciate. And then if you're on the audio platforms, obviously be sure to drop a follow if you enjoy as well. And leave a five star review if you're able. Um, we've been seeing a lot of traction on the audio platforms and gaining a, a bigger community there. So that's awesome to see. And we really appreciate all of the support. Uh, before we get into the news, speaking of the Super Bowl, I mean, I, I'm living in Wisconsin and uh, I'm not a Packer fan. So sometimes Packer fans can get a little loud and annoying. And I think it's now funny that uh, obviously they're not big Lions fans here because they're a division rival. And I think it's funny now that Stafford. Uh, has as many Super Bowl rings as as Aaron Rodgers, but we'll talk about that later, I'm sure, when we get into our sports segment. Uh, anyways, we got our news. Uh, you know, typically, like the last few weeks since the season started, we haven't really done a, a big news section because there's obviously so much to talk about with matches and um, upcoming matches and just a, a lot of COD being played. But we've got some, some notable news to talk about. A Challengers roster uh, or two were signed. Uh, and obviously the first roster change of the year was made kind of a big one. I would say after watching the matches for the first couple weeks, it's not unexpected, but like if you would have told me this was going to happen coming into the year, I think, uh, most people would say that that was pretty unexpected and crazy for, for this to happen at least so early in the year. And that is Neptune being benched, uh, by NYS NYSL. They brought in royalty. Um, I guess first Kyle, were they too quick to chalk up Neptune and get rid of them? And then second, uh, royalties coming in. I know you're a newer fan of the CDL. I probably mentioned this uh, on the podcast before, but Royalty was one of the first players ever signed uh, on the pro cod roster for a major esports org. That's a little trivia question for you. Do you know who that org was? Uh, Hundred Thieves. Oh, let's go! I'm proud of you. I, I, I saw the <laughs> I saw the jail cell jersey pick on uh, CDL Intel, so that's uh, yeah. Little, they they qualified cheap. out of relegation, and and my favorite game of all time, Black Ops Three, and their roster was absolutely horrendous. Like they like couldn't win maps. It was bad. <laughs> yeah, loyalty was like the only reason they weren't losing two fifty to zero in every map though, because he was frying. Yeah, I saw the picture of him in the uh, the old like black and white stripes. Uh, looks like they just you know broke out of the state <laughs> penitentiary or something. Um, but yeah, I saw that, and then so I you know that was my educated guess of the day. But yeah, we're talking about um, 
you know, this NYSL squad, if they were too quick to chalk up uh, Neptune, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of conflicted on this. Obviously, um, you know, they paid, uh, you know, we would expect a, a decent amount of cash to, uh, you know, to liberate Neptune from the mutineers. Um, you know, obviously one of the, you know, standout rookies, I guess. I mean, he, he kind of had his moments in Cold War for sure. Um, and, you know, probably was uh, one of the more hyped up-and-comers, I guess. Um, you know, probably behind Hydra and Standy and Insight in that kind of Cold War rookie group. Um, so, you hmm. know, people had people had some expectations about, you know, how he would fare and, um, you know, coming into this uh, squad of uh, Clay, Krim, Hydra, uh, you know, two you know, very, very, very established veterans, uh, and then Hydra, who had a great Cold War season. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously they were, they had some struggles in week one, and, uh, you know, flipped the switch, went 0-2, and then, uh, you know, kind of made this big roster change after just two matches. Um, and, you know, there, there's definitely a lot of, um, you know, internal struggles as well with, you know, they, they sent, um, you know, Paco went back to France over the holidays and then they had, you know, stuff with COVID and I guess, uh, what wasn't it Neptune that had some like thumb infection or some like yeah skin infection or something. So I don't know. This just seems like they were hitting a lot of roadblocks. Um, probably weren't able to get all the practice in that they wanted to, um, you know, I'll 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 say it. I, I think they were a little bit too quick to uh to make this change. Um and you know, I, I just hope that they're not, you know, grasping at straws trying to find some like snake oil miracle solution for bringing this team together because I, I do think that this team could have worked. Uh you know, it's just a matter of you know finding the the correct way to play this game because this is you know this isn't a conventional call of duty in the sense of like you know predictable spawns per se uh and you know i think teams are still figuring out how to play this game as a matter of fact um Mm -hmm. i think that you know usually we don't see teams really come into final form until you know at least the second half of the season like we saw in modern warfare like dallas empire were finding you know completely new ways to play you know hard point and search uh when it came down to like champs and and stuff too so absolutely um the game does evolve over time uh, i would have liked to see them stick out with the squad through at least the first major lan um if not longer but you know clay and Krim are veterans they have high expectations for themselves and for their teammates and ultimately this is probably their decision um so yeah but I know I kind of monologued for a little while, but that but that's my thought on that. Yeah, I mean, I would say like if you, you can kind of look at it two different ways. I feel like if you look at the roster on paper without the relationship factors and like what's happening in real time with the relationships, it seems like they chalked it way too early because like um, on paper, we obviously know Krim and Kalei, like don't have to mention what they've done. We know what they can do in Hydra. We know is one of the most talented players in the league currently. And then Neptune, uh, we know he hasn't maybe hit his stride like in Cold War. It took him a while and stuff. But like we know he's got a lot of talent and he can be a very fast play sub that can open up the map uh, for his teammates. But 
when you look at the relationship side of it, it makes sense. And I, I don't know that they necessarily chalked it too quickly because with the stage that said relationships were at, I don't think it was going to work out. Basically, like the reports coming out of the camp where they didn't get along, like Neptune felt like he was being held in a cage by Krim and Clay. And like from some of the reports, it almost sounds like Neptune decided to bench himself because he felt like he wasn't able to play uh, how he wanted to play. Like he basically was just supposed to sit in the hill the whole time is like how he felt because they didn't like want to unleash him and like let him be free and like take routes and try to make plays as a sub. They wanted him to just like be in the hill. And that's why he was like getting such low engagements for a player that you think uh, would be at a high speed. Uh, Cause we know Neptune has some crazy movement uh, second to not too many in the league with his movement. And um he just felt like he was kind of caged up. So I guess I don't think he was necessarily too early based on what was going on. But I could see how like if you didn't hear any about like about any of the relationship issues, you could think that um, it sounds like from what I heard Parasite say on uh, the new podcast reverse sweep for Deserto, um, they were like on the verge of signing royalty as their sub before the season started. So. I don't know necessarily that this is the last move that this team will make. I think maybe since they had already talked to royalty, they maybe had chemistry with him and we're looking at him. I think he could be like a quick bandaid fix to try to not let the year get too out of hand and like hope that they can win a couple matches with him and like stay in the running while they maybe look to make a bigger move. Cause I feel like for a team with crim and clay royalty is a good player, but I feel like they're going to go for the home run. Uh, although royalty, if they want some speed, he, he can certainly bring it and play at a pace with Hydra because I don't know how much you know about royalty, but that's what he was famous for when he came into the league in Black Ops 3 was he played at like 8.8 eight or 9.9 nine sensitivity, which like typically people are playing like 4, or 5, 6, and he just came in and he was whipping all around like he was like a YouTube quick scoper. Like his sensitivity, he plays at an insane blistering pace when he needs to. Uh, and he's a very good player, so I do think this team could turn around with him and he's a veteran, smart player, but uh, I don't know what this team's done with moves yet. Yeah, um, that yeah, that was kind of my initial thought um, with you know who might be the the final solution if they if they were just looking for this band aid fix as you were saying, um, mm-hmm. you know I I think that could definitely be a discussion for uh, another day maybe uh, we could easily get bogged down in that like oh who do we think that New York should target or something, um, it definitely you know probably comes down to resources as well too like if they have the you know the money allocations to go out and, you know, probably buy somebody out because I don't know if Krim and Clay are really going to be taking a chance with like a challenger's pickup, uh, especially like since Neptune really didn't work out. And um, so, yeah, I, I guess uh, we could see that down the, down the line, um, have a discussion on that. Um, but yeah, I mean, maybe it, maybe it turns out to be that royalty, you know, acclimates to the team well, and they find some, you know, success, I guess, you know, it, to me, success for them right now would be playing like 500 baseball, like, you know, e- just equal out your wins and your losses and try not to get too far behind the pack. Yeah, because we know with a with Clay and Krim, they could round into form at the end of the year and be right there back in top four if, if they're able to just hold steady and, and just win enough matches to get there. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they just have to make sure they don't fall back to like the, the Mutineers, Paris, you know, part, which is where that just, you know, through two weeks, that's, that's where they're at. So, um, yeah, you know, hopefully, hopefully they don't find fall too far back or, you know, the infighting doesn't get too, too bad there. Mm -hmm. Um, because definitely like you you have a lot of personalities in Kerman clay. They have a lot of, like we said, they have a lot of expectations for themselves and their team. So 
I, th- I think it's also interesting to note uh, on that podcast as well. There are people like Enable, who is very good friends with Clayster, Karim, Parasite, also very good friends with those guys. Like they know these people well, and I'm sure they've talked to them. And they, I mean, Enable was saying he doesn't know that Clay and Karim can be on the same team in 4v4, which I think that might be a little bit of an overreaction because, I mean, they've won a world championship uh, together, granted 5v5, but they've had ridiculous success together in 4v4. Now, I mean, technically, they didn't win a world championship together in 4v4. Clay was dropped right before the event. They would have won it if they still had Clay, but like they won like seven out of eight events uh, when they were together in 4v4. Like they, they've won a lot together in 4v4. Like that's that's not a question. So I think that might be a little bit of an overreaction from Enable, but I can see where he's coming from since they played so bad. Um, but also Parasite had mentioned, which he's obviously very in tune with the Challenger scene, having been in it for so long. He he said that this definitely wasn't Krim's first choice in the offseason. He was looking to build a team. Uh I believe I heard this parasite didn't say this, but I believe the rumor was he was him or slasher or hook were like kind of the guys that are potentially building a team in uh, LA for the gorillas. And that obviously fell through. And like they were talking about Krim was potentially supposed to stay on that optic roster uh, instead of dashy, but Shotzi and Illy didn't want him. So this maybe necessarily uh, wasn't Krim's first choice. So maybe that's playing a factor in the vibes in the team, but uh, we can talk about subliners uh, a little more we don't need to spend too much more time on an zero three team even though they do have uh such big names but we can move on to your your rocker news your team uh the rockers signed a spanish challengers team which is journey lucky medals and then real real i'm not sure how you say it he's a newer player i believe he's 18 uh, or he's a very young player if, if he's not 18 um they signed that spanish challengers team as their academy roster in minnesota and uh, if you guys don't know who this challengers team is they're like dominant they've won what do we say? Three out of the last four or five events in the European challengers scene. Uh, they're the best team over there. I mean, if you've been a COD fan for at least a little bit of time, you at least know journey lucky and medals for sure. Cause they're on that heretics team back in bo 4 That was a consistent uh, top six, top eight finisher in a lot of tournaments, which uh, for a team that was, that was basically their first year playing in pro tournaments as a pro team. Like back in that time, like top six or top eight doesn't sound great now in the CDL, but back when there was bigger team tournaments, like a top six finish was nothing to be ashamed of top eight. That's, that's a pretty good finish. So uh, those are players of the history medals even played for ultra and modern warfare for a little bit. Uh, I believe lucky and journey or at least journey was on like the phase Academy team in MW. Like these are some good players. Uh, what do you think? Any, any implications for um, possible substitutes for the, the main team, maybe business side. I mean, in my opinion, I don't think we're going to see any substitutions because I'm not sure. I believe like journey or lucky. One of them speaks really good English, but I mean, they're all players that I believe are from Spain. So don't know how well they speak English uh, or if they speak English. So I don't know how that would mesh with the the current team. Uh, we talked about a little bit like this could be a potential uh, business side thing because I mean, there's always been rumors that like a Madrid team or a team at least somewhere in Spain could come in with expansion with heretics. And I mean, these are former heretics players. Maybe they'll want to buy them out and make an all Spanish roster. So maybe some implications there. Yeah, I definitely think that, um, you know, this was a business a purely a business uh move side uh and uh you know definitely for uh you know possible expansion um maybe they did it as well just to like snap up these players and make sure that no other of the 11 teams could you know get the rights to them uh so that you know if any if we do get expansion next year uh, or a team just totally chalks their roster during this season that they can't go, you know, snap up the, the best uh, EU challengers team. They'd have to go to rocker to buy them out. Um, so it's a savvy business move on my, um, you know, in my estimation. And then also, you know, it gives these 
challengers players a little bit more like financial backing as well you know um we know a lot of these challengers players you know they've put their you know lives on hold to play call of duty for you know essentially just prize money they're not really getting supplemented by an org that we uh you know not too many of them have like you know an income other than their winnings and stuff too or you know their sponsorships um you know if they're individually sponsored on stream or something but um yeah i i I like this move this is all this is i think this is the second cdl team this season to uh you know delve into the challengers scene as well and uh you know i'm just glad that it's rocker this you know obviously i i sing rockers you know organizational praises um till the end of time i i think they do a lot of things right and uh I'm just surprised that they went to the EU sky side as well. Like they're showing that, you know, you know, a team in, you know, the Midwest Great Lakes region, Minnesota is signing a, a Spanish team from across yeah. the, across yeah. the ocean. I just think it's kind of fun. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. And it's also like, I don't, I'm not like super, super familiar with all the top teams and challengers, but like, I'm very glad that it is this team because like a lot of times, especially since we're, uh, in North America, in the U S and like so much of the attention and like a lot of the pros are from NA are either mostly Canadian or American. It's like that challenger scene is also the one that gets most of the, the love and the spotlight and stuff. So it's awesome to see a team that you could argue is maybe the best team in challengers, like not only the best team in Europe, but I mean, they're like the most successful team this year, regardless of region. So like you could even argue they're maybe the best challengers team in all of challengers. Uh, like not even region specific. So like, it's good to see a team over there in Europe getting some credit and uh, like maybe not the usual suspect of a country in Europe either. Cause typically like we see the players come over, it's like UK, France, like are like the main, main countries. And this is, I believe, I know for a fact, three of them, I'm, I think uh, real real, I'm pretty sure he's from Spain as well. So like to see an all Spanish team uh, on top of not just an EU team get signed is, is pretty cool. So uh, I'm really a fan of it. All right. Another uh, academy roster kind of news. There was that rumor that Ultra was going to sign um, Royalty's old roster with, I believe, like Exotic and those guys uh, to their academy. But now Royalty's on NYSL, so uh, I didn't see if they signed a new roster or if that's kind of up in the air now. But Royalty obviously shot the initial plans of that rumor because he joined a pro team. You got anything to say on that? Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I mean. So this ultra team did they did they replace their fourth spot with anybody um, on royalties roster? I can't remember because I was on such short notice. I'm in kind of exotic, uh, and then royalty was the third. I can't remember who the fourth was even. Um, no, and I'm sure it could be like a potential like short term uh, fix as right. well because they had such short notice of royalty um, joining the roster. But yeah, yeah but, that, that rumored ultra team kind of falls through. <laughs> yeah, I was just more or less uh, putting that in just for, you know, ultra again, getting into the challengers uh, scene as well with, you know, financially backing a team. Um, and, you know, we've seen so much uh, so much talent come up through challengers uh, as well that, you know, it's it's still, you know, vastly, vastly underappreciated oh. with how. You know, especially in the recent years, how much talent we've seen just come up through it. Um, so yeah, that was my thing. Like, you know, maybe this ultra team <laughs> could turn into something special. You know who replaced royalty? No, I don't. Uh, Neptune. 
Neptune replaced him on the team. They just swapped <laughs> places. Uh, I was just looking at it because I, I I knew I knew it, but I, I couldn't remember it. And I just looked. Yeah, like uh, the rumor was that um, Ultra was going to sign Diamond Con, Royalty Exotic, and Hixie as their challengers roster. But now it looks like it is um, Neptune onto that team. But things have kind of switched around a little bit. Um, where did I see that here? Neptune is now on a roster where's that yeah uh challengers neptune dimacon spartan prolude are now a challengers team according to spart from february 9th uh and obviously like that team wouldn't be able to be signed because spart is the sub for lag so they wouldn't be able to sign as the ultra academy i'm assuming uh and then yeah so that team is kind of chalk for now uh, ultra still looking for a team but at least they're in the market to be looking uh because like Last year, we saw like no academy teams besides like that NYSL one, really, uh, who ended up really being the best challengers team last year in NA. So, kind of cool that Ultra's looking at academy teams. Hopefully, that's something we see more of in the future. So, some of these top challengers players can actually get some uh, steady income for, like you said, kind of putting their lives on hold. All right. Next thing, big announcement, something that's big for me. The, the thing I'm most hyped about uh in the news section here is elo and like a skill ranking system for ranked play coming to vanguard uh this thursday the 17th uh i'm off work for some family stuff on friday this week which means uh i'm gonna get two hours of sleep probably gonna play ranked play until 5 a.m uh with some of my buddies and be a degenerate for the night and try to hit masters first night um but i'm very excited elo system makes the game worth grinding like i always said Vanguard, not the best game, but when you actually have a real system to grind and like you can see the number go up and try to get uh, to the top placement, I'm going to be going for that top 250 board. So maybe I'll see some of you out there. Um, maybe if I actually end up somehow getting pretty close to that top 250, which I, I don't know, I think I have a chance. Uh, we can do a little content series around it or something, but I'm excited for ranked play. It's going to produce a lot of content, at least initially, since there is an ELO system. And uh, unfortunately, it had to take this long. But you know what? In terms of how ranked play has been in the past, when we get our small Ws, we have to take our small Ws. Yeah, I think this is exciting. Um, it should inject some life into the virtually dead Vanguard streams. Um, yeah. I don't watch any Pro 8s. I know that they've you know been hit or miss. Uh you know, getting them up and running, uh, you know, even if like, you know, Zoom is casting it or something like it's still kind of just like, and do I really want to go see like the bat? Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, uh, you know, hopefully it uh, inspires some pros to turn on the stream. And, uh, you know, I, I know asking them to do extra stuff after practice and stuff is, um, you know, we're not really entitled to all that stuff because, you know, they do put in a lot of time on their competitive side. Absolutely. So any, any training too. <laughs> yeah. And any benefit that we get, you know, is just, you know, icing on the cake, I guess we should really look at it that way. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think I could find myself, you know, watching a little bit here and there, uh, you know, who's grinding, um, who's grinding ELO ranked, uh, you know, who's, playing well who's not you know and you know seeing some pros team up you know like if, if scump and you know scump and a bz are you know on a team or something and you know grinding some ranked yeah you know, that it just it offers opportunities for fun stuff like that you know like you get to see players playing with you know teammates that they normally probably wouldn't uh i don't even know if that's an option but you know it's something that you know could be could be cool to, you know get some streamers playing alongside with them as well uh you know um 
maybe some Warzone guys come over for a little bit and draw some crowds from there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, hopefully it'll you know kick up some interest in you know playing some competitive game modes and uh, viewership might increase a little bit because of that. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I mean, I it initially will for sure increase viewership and make things more interesting because like everybody's. Obviously, especially with it being not just like a rank play drop like Cold War, where it really wasn't rank play. It actually is an ELO system. And it's like a potential legit uh, ranked play system. So I feel like, yeah, that initial uptick in viewers will be will be very high. Hopefully the ELO system actually works correctly uh, and is something that is fun to grind. Because uh, when we in World War II, a lot of players were streaming that ELO system ranked play long after scrims and like... The notable one, it was really before BZ was like a full pro. He was kind of on like a fringe like qualifying roster in uh, Enigma 6, but he was grinding rank play. He had like multiple accounts in the top 10 uh, for total ELO. And like that's where like content series came around. A guy named Ryan Bacardi was like a random ranked play kid that like got towards the top and he'd like uh, play against a lot of pros and like he became like popular. Like, oh my God, I got a lobby with Ryan Bacardi. If you're at the top, like the kid was like known in the community from just being like a grinder of ranked play and like, a lot of content series can come out of it. So yeah, I feel like at least initially it'll hopefully provide us with an uptick in viewership, maybe get some new new people interested in the game when they either accidentally or uh, purposely click the rank tab to try to learn what it is. Uh, because believe it or not, there are so many people out there that don't even know the CDL exists that are playing Call of Duty every single day. Like um, the, the audience could get so much larger. So I, I think it'll see an uptick in viewership at least initially, but uh, hopefully the system is truly good and fun enough to play that. Um, we can continue to to see that viewership actually stay. I mean, obviously in the beginning it's going to be higher than it ever will be the rest of the year, just because all people are tuning in to like see what it's about. But hopefully it can at least retain some of those viewers and and provide an uptick. But we're gonna need a couple more maps so it doesn't get really stale of people watching the same three maps over and over and over again. But I'm excited for it. All right, last little thing of news before we kind of react to the matches from the week. Bryson Tun. First time casting for the CDL. Obviously, if you're a newer fan, you probably like I believe for Kyle, this was his first time hearing them. Uh they've casted a lot of champs in the past when they needed extra casters for like Bravo, Charlie Stream and stuff. And they've casted plenty of COD in the past. They've always been very good, but I think uh for people that haven't heard them or are, are newer fans, this is the first time they maybe heard them. And I, I think uh Kyle will probably uh, attest to the fact that they were they're were pretty good this weekend and they're very good casters so it's nice to have them in obviously we're still never going to change the fact and we're always going to say we're a merc and maven we need them immediately but bryson ton very good at what they do very happy to have them um they're great casters so they're definitely definitely not uh like a pair that we're upset to have it's just very sad that we don't have maven and merc so unfortunately for them people are just always going to talk about that but they're very good at what they do and i liked uh listening to their cast i enjoyed it yeah i, I thought they were uh they were, you know, they filled in pretty well. Uh, I didn't have anything negative to say about them. I thought they had good chemistry. Um, you know, you could definitely tell that they've casted before together. And like, like you were saying, that was my first exposure to them. Uh, coming, being that I came in during the Modern Warfare season, um, and yeah, I, I'm excited to have you know at least a third set of voices on the on the stream as well. Um, and yeah, I, I feel like. Uh, you know, this is good good on esports engine as well to be doing. I don't know if they're directly responsible for, you know, acquiring on air talent or whatever, but uh you know, I, I, I like what I like the changes that they've done. Um mm-hmm. and you know, I'm definitely seeing some some benefits. Even with the with the online matches, having the uh like 
the main headquarters desk, like having it actually be like, you know, three people at an actual desk instead of like, you know, green screen stuff, you know, everybody in their bedroom or something. I think that's yeah. a really big benefit as well. Like you actually have like nameless and alley cat, like in the same room at the same desk and stuff. Even valley has been there too. Yeah, 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 exactly. So I, I think that's been, um, you know, a really big benefit as well because it makes it look more professional. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, I, I think that combined with like Bryson Tun coming in, uh, you know, it, at least the broadcast production side is like, you know, getting a, a big benefit from uh, this esports engine merger. So, yeah, they've been fantastic. They better never leave us uh, because it's only the second week of matches and we've already noticed such a high uptick in just the overall quality of the broadcast. So I can't even imagine how much better it's going to be when we hit land. I mean, they were pretty darn good in that first land for the kickoff classic, and that was really their first trial run. So as we get into the, the majors and champs and everything, I'm excited to see the the production of the quality continue to get better because I have all the faith in the world that uh, it will do so. But now it's time to move into our reactions for week two of the matches. It was a pretty interesting week, although I will say there were some definitely snoozer matches in there, namely the one we're going to kind of start with. Uh, Talk about Optic. They they start to right the ship. Unfortunately, it would have been nice to maybe see them have a second match this week because obviously, like, we're expecting them to beat Paris, but we can't just completely disregard what they did just because they played Paris. Uh, it wasn't like it was a, a very close match where it was like, ooh, Optic, you know, went to a game five, took him a game five to beat Paris. No, they they pretty much handled them in this series. They beat him on a bokeh hard point by about 60 points and took him out in a 6-3 search in a 3-1 control. Uh, honestly, to me, the biggest positive from the series for Optic was Illy. Uh, Illy finished the highest KD in the team with a 1.28 on that bokeh specifically. Like he was running around just having his way on the map, uh, 35 and 24. Obviously, Shotzi went 41 and 28 in the map as well. But I would say, uh, and I think you would agree with me, that we're expecting Shotzi maybe not to drop a 1.46 in every hard point, but like it's expected that Shotzi is going to be the guy on bokeh just dropping a 40 bomb and leading the team in slaying because that, that's what his role is. But Illy's more known for that career 0.9. Like he's more of the IGL. Like he can snap, but like big. Big uh, slaying games maybe aren't necessarily his thing, but uh, he obviously looks very good in that hard points. And then him and Dashy both dropped nine in the search for a very good game and helped them win that. Uh, honestly, a pretty impressive match out of Optic. It's like, like I said, it's hard to take a lot from it just because it is Paris. But uh, I think the upside is we we saw Dashy step up in search where he struggled heavily and Illy step up in respawn where maybe he's been uh, not too great so far this year. So a very good match for Optic. You like to see them 3-0 because uh, it maybe gives them some confidence going into a pivotal week of matches for them. Yeah, and that's why I kind of headlined this as like Optic begin to write the ship. Like not I didn't say like, oh, Optic is like 100% back because A, we don't really know that yet. Like it's like being conservative with it you know like they're beginning to write the ship dispatching of paris 3-0 is probably mm-hmm. what we should have predicted in our in last week but you know yeah. i think you know we were a little bit more cautious we were like oh maybe paris you know paris coming off you know two close matches you know mm-hmm. losses that they had and then you know maybe they can you know find a way to eke out maps or something but you know optic kind of had their way with them um and yeah, it was good to see Illy have a uh, standout performance uh, performances here. Um, Shotzi, obviously, uh, you know, doing what he does best. And yeah. then uh, Dashy and Dashy and the Search and Destroy. Uh, and then, but I mean, like, 
I don't know. I mean, if you really want to read tea leaves, like you could say, like maybe Scump has had a slower start to the year than you would have wanted. He fried in um, that first series, though, of the year. Mm-hmm. Like he yeah, was like uh, he was the yeah. lead slayer big time. That first whole the first whole weekend, right? Yeah, and I mean, sometimes I, when your teammates are both dropping forty, it's hard for you to find kills because there's not many left on the map. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not gonna re- like I said. I'm not gonna read the tea leaves myself, but you know, uh, and again, when you're only playing three maps against the lowest team in the league, like you know, maybe you just have to like sit in the hill or do something. You know, just one, like, one bad hard point skews your stats because you only get one. Exactly. Um, but one thing I will say to mention about that search and destroy, like we said, Dashy four and fifteen in search and destroy coming in to this week. But and obviously he, that's or not four and fifteen coming this week. I'm sorry, four and fifteen in that rocker series, uh, which was the last time we saw Optic play a match. And then he obviously goes what nine and five in this series, uh, or in the search in the series. Yeah, he goes nine and five. Interesting note for that. Uh, we talked about Dashi maybe having the sniper out a little too much and not in situations that were necessarily beneficial. We actually saw them swap it a little bit this weekend. Dashi kept the automaton out, and Illy had the sniper out. For a bit of search, which is interesting because obviously we know Dashi, you could argue he's the best sniper in the game, best sniper in the league. Obviously, we haven't seen it too much this year, but based on past performance, we know like it's probably a battle between him and Simp. Maybe Cammy's in there, but we know Dashi's right at the top. Uh, but obviously, Dashi has an absolute beam with an AR, and it was in. Interesting to see Illy pull it a lock in a spot. I think technically at two and three, like at least one team will probably make it into the winner side of things, but you don't want to have to rely on uh, anybody to help you out. But obviously I think tiebreakers come down to map count. So a three O is big for them to not drop any maps, uh, but they have, they have a pretty tough week. They have two matches that you could easily see them lose because they're definitely not, not shoe wins by any means. So it'll be interesting to see where they go. Uh, next team we've got on the list. Ultra goes six and oh on map count on the week uh with hixie subbing in for the second match because uh looks like cammy had covid wasn't feeling the best wasn't ready to play in that final match versus florida hixie subs in does honestly pretty well i mean hixie had a pretty go- good overall series for just stepping in he dropped almost a point nine, which uh on short notice just jumping in was not uh the worst thing in the world uh can't imagine it was the easiest thing to do Ultra do 3-0 Florida in that second series. Granted, they had to like last second beat them in hardpoint, 221 to 220, uh, round 11 in the search, and then a 3-2 down to the last second control. So like it very could have very easily could have been a 3-0 for Florida. Um, but so as to be the story of the year uh for Florida so far this year. Just a bunch of close losses, tough losses, just tough to swallow stuff. But Ultra goes six and oh, map count on the weekend. Obviously, that means they go two and oh for their matches, and they look pretty good. Uh, and Hixie looks pretty good, so kind of uh, overall just positives everywhere for for Ultra this weekend. Yeah, I guess we could say that Ultra really righted the ship after you know they only yeah. played one map in the first weekend, and then they go two and zero, so they have a pot, they have a you know winning record now. Um, you know they're setting themselves up for uh, you know good results this coming week. I mean they have a you know 
a uh i think they have more of a hard week too they play uh <laughs> they play optic and um and the uh thieves coming up i'm seeing so you know they don't have easy matches by any means as well uh so i i think uh you know getting these results were positive for them obviously the hicksy thing was interesting um you know obviously we would probably see uh cammy come back in when he's feeling well uh hopefully that he's able to you know recover and get back in for this coming week uh given the you know pretty intense matches that they have coming up but uh yeah i mean 6-0 you can't really you know take you can't really uh you know have too many negative things to say about the ultra here they're doing what you know everyone probably expected them to, expected them to do so yeah yeah credit to them yeah i think we can move on to the next set of teams here uh kind of going to probably lump these two together and talk about them uh and that is uh, LAG and Ravens uh Ravens obviously pull off an upset or I'm sorry, LAG pulls off an upset on Ravens, takes them out in pretty convincing fashion, honestly. Uh, and then Ravens obviously take out Minnesota, also in pretty convincing fashion. Uh, so Ravens improve, well, I guess kind of stay even keel because they went one-on-one, but they're they're three and one pretty much, I would say, locked into a winner's bracket spot. And then LAG wins a, a crucial match to get themselves to two and two, um, which obviously doesn't guarantee them a winner's bracket spot by any means, but it does put them in a position uh, to at least have a chance in this final week to to secure a winner's bracket spot. And uh, they are playing rockers. So it's not like that's a impossible match. That's kind of a team that's on their level. Um, So big win for LAG and also a big win considering it is London. Now, granted uh, London was three, no coming to the match. Not like we consider them to be like the top team by any means, but they're certainly a hot team. Uh, And for uh, LAG to kind of handle them in, in pretty good fashion, especially in that final hard point, kind of burying them on Berlin was was big to see. So um, obviously a lot of positives to take away from LAG in a must-win game backs against the wall. They take out an undefeated Ravens team. And then for Ravens, I think, you know, they're bound to lose a match eventually. They did look very good against Minnesota, uh, namely kind of dominating Minnesota in search and destroy, which I think a lot of us would argue Minnesota is the best search team in the game. So the fact that Ravens dominated them in search uh, was pretty good. So kind of a mixed bag for Ravens, I'd say. Very good to see them beat a team in Minnesota, especially in their strength game mode, and then bury them in the hard points. And then um, huge out of LAG to pull off an upset on an undefeated London team. Yeah, I think uh, I'll start with the Gorillas. Um, obviously, big result for them to uh, to not fall uh, any further. Um, yeah, almost you know, guaranteed losers bracket if they if they do fall. Yeah, so they they even themselves up to two and two, uh, and then. Um, you know, really one of the big surprises, I guess, uh, maybe not to everyone, but, you know, to me at least was Ravens starting off as hot as they did going three and oh, and then, uh, they did get humbled a little bit in their fourth Which might match. be good for them. Yeah. I mean, and obviously, uh, you know, it, it's nice to see gorillas, you know, start to play cohesively and, um, you know, they're seeing their roles kind of like. I don't know, pay off, I guess, is the term that comes to mind. Like, you know, they had Hook kind of doing his thing and Asim was like frying and not, you know, Asim like has been going pretty positive and he's not throwing his life away as mm-hmm. much, um, which is, you know, anytime you can get your like slaying SMG, like your entry slayer guy to do that, um, you know, and not in, in you know, to, uh, to conserve his lives and stuff, especially with like how long the respawn timer is and stuff as well. 
uh, is a big benefit for them. And then obviously Slasher Gunless, uh, you know, with ARs and stuff. Uh, nice to see them, uh, you know, I don't want to say rounding into form because we're still really early in the year. Um, but, you know, they're getting they're getting results, uh, you know, especially up against a, mm-hmm. a really hot London team as well. And then uh, for Ravens, uh, yeah, I mean, they continue to impress in my book. Uh, they're three and one. Uh, I, you know, I got a little bit uh, of flack on Twitter um, <laughs> from you. About my boy, it. Alfie. Uh, yeah, well, I I think that I don't they they're surprising me especially for how early they're kind of finding this form. Um you know, because I I you can go back and check the transcripts but I I said that I did want them to be good and yeah. that uh I think that it's really good for the EU scene as well. It's really uh, good for the have, league. Yeah, to have their representation, you know, be a really competitive team like we saw uh the modern the modern warfare Ravens, you know, finish top 4 at champs. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously that team had a totally different makeup and chemistry to it. Uh, and then we have this team, you know, finding early success as well. Uh, mm-hmm. and yeah, I, th- I think they just ran up against a really good LAG squad on sun, uh, on Sunday with a lot to lose. Yeah. And, um, not to say that, you know, these teams should be, you know, taking any matches off. Uh, I think every match matters, especially when you're only playing five of them to seed into a major, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I mean they they continue to impress and I think that uh you know I don't think this loss will really affect them too much. I think that you know they'll just brush it off and continue their preparations and playing, you know, really fundamentally sound Call of Duty and they seem to have figured yeah. this game out uh you know pretty early on, so that's good for them. Which I think has to be some credit to Trey Zero as the leader of the team. I think he deserves some credit. And I also think he deserves some credit for he he popped off against Minnesota. Had like a 1.17 on the series overall. Uh, was absolutely nasty this weekend. I think the interesting note for me for Ravens is I still think they're a team that has a pretty uh, a low floor. Like I could see them really bottoming out and just like losing, especially on land when uh, Zero obviously has tons of experience. But the other players in the team have um, next to no experience. Uh, I think for at least a couple of them, their first pro match on land was the kickoff classic. So they have next to no land experience. So it'll be interesting to see if they can continue to do this on land because that's always a question mark until you see players do it uh, with fans. Will they get nervous? Because obviously we saw some differences be made once we saw fans be introduced back in uh, to tournaments last year on land. But I think the interesting note for me for Ravens is coming into this year when we were talking rookie of the year, the big guy that was hyped up was nasty. Uh, obviously you got your, your pred, your sib, but in terms of on the Ravens, like people were talking about nasty rookie of the year favorite. And to me, he's been the like quietest player on the team. Obviously zero struggled a little bit in the beginning, but right against Minnesota and has looked very good. And we know what zero brings to the table, that consistent 0.95 to one with the IGL skills. Just he's, he's very, he's like the EU accuracy to me, very similar in that aspect. He's extremely icy, maybe not the level of the Iceman accuracy, but he's always going to bring you that 0.95 to one. And he's going to provide uh, great comms and great leadership. And then we've seen Gizmo uh, arguably be the best player in the team, even maybe better than my boy Afro. He's been frying. Afro has also been dropping. Like I think on the season now he's at like a 1.14, uh, going into that LAG match, maybe dropped a little bit, but Afro has been disgusting this year, but nasty. He hasn't been bad by any means. And obviously since they were three, and zero, he's been playing pretty well, but he's kind of hovering in that point nine range. And he was like touted as potential uh, rookie of the year. So I feel like that's where this Ravens team could potentially even have another level to hit as they learn together, because nasty was supposed to be this player that was kind of like the hard carry uh, in the sling department. And he hasn't really 
shown that yet. He's been good, but he hasn't been that level that we were uh, promised he would be. So uh, if Gizmo and Afro can keep playing at this level and Zero can be consistent, and uh, we can maybe hit that that potential for Nasty that we heard. This this Ravens team could have another gear to them, but I could also see them, you know, maybe this was just a hot start and they learned faster, like we've seen teams do in the past. Uh, look back to like the Minnesota uh, rocker team of MW where they learned really fast and looked like a top four team and then just fell off the face of the earth. Don't think that'll happen with this Ravens team, but uh, just wanted to note that Nasty was touted as the potential rookie of the year and he hasn't really shown to be the best player in the team yet, which is scary uh, if he does have that talent sitting in his back pocket. All right, move on to our next team. I don't know that we have to spend too much time on this team. I know Kyle doesn't like to talk about them, uh, so I don't I think hate, we have I to hate, spend too I hate much time. talking about this team. <laughs> uh, Paris Legion, they lose 3-0 to Optic, expected. Um, I was talking to Kyle a little bit about this. I just, in my personal opinion, I just don't think Decimate is the answer for this team. Not that subbing anybody in would make them elite, but when you do look at their roster, I mean, like, you got to take some positives out of it. Uh, obviously, you, you really don't have to. But like when we're looking at things to note um, of what the team did well, like Fellow drops a 1.2 in the first respawn. Everybody else kind of gets fried. Uh, Decimate is a good search and destroy game. Everybody else kind of struggles in that map too. Temp was okay. And then the final map, John fried in the control, really kept them in that game with a 1.3. Uh, and then Temp was around a 1 again. Temp's been pretty darn good all year. Temp looks like he could be a building block for the team because he's been dragging them to be competitive in respawns this year and so has john those two look pretty solid uh i do think fellow is a good player i just think the situation maybe isn't the best for him but decimate i mean i am not a, i'm not a decimate fan in this situation I, I feel like if they had uh another aggressive sub to play with john they could maybe make themselves look okay but uh this paris team is just just not at a level to compete with top teams because it is such a weird just mix of players uh I do think John and Temp have shown enough that they could be very good building blocks for a team. Uh, but the issue is they would need some superstars. Like they need a superstar SMG to pair with John and a, a good steady main AR. Um, if it isn't fellow, which I do think it could be fellow. I think if they had a superstar SMG to replace decimate team could be solid issue is Paris won't shell out. So it's really not much to talk about because they will not shell out for a superstar SMG as we've seen many times. Yeah, it's, I, this this might be a team where you say that they're like one piece away from being like somewhat competitive or you know i i guess you know they're a pro team so they're competitive inherently but you know you know maybe from you know winning a match because they're zero and four you know um like you said uh decimate might have to be the one to go if if you know we're you know prophesizing a move um i think temp has been like you know hard carrying this team from slaying perspective um Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm looking at that breach series. He had 191 engagements. Yeah, uh, like just I mean, I don't know. He's backpacking this team hard. I think Fellow is doing a, a serviceable job as well. Uh, I don't want to you know discount him. Um, and then uh, you know John, we saw some glimpses week one of him, you know, returning to his old form. Uh, he also or, you know, he he has a lot of clutches in search and destroy as well. It seems like every every time he's in a one, he wins it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he had that insane clutch to, to uh, I believe it was against FaZe in a search and destroy. I can't remember who that was against, but he had a pretty insane clutch um, at some point in a search and destroy on Tuscan. I can't remember if it was, that was the first week, but yeah, it, it, I agree with you. They were like yeah. one piece away from being a team that fights for that middle, middle like 9, 10, that range, and getting it out of the bottom, but they're just not going to make the move. I mean, they had Hydra in their hands originally, and they didn't make it. Uh, so you know they're never going to make that move. 
Yeah, but uh, I don't want to spend any more time on this team than we have to. So, and they don't put if in any you, effort if, to be a competitive if you team. Move on, so. <laughs> if you want to move on, I'm down for that. I don't think, yeah, I don't think they deserve airtime. They don't put effort to be a, a competitive franchise, so we don't need to put effort into talking about them. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to talk about your boys. Reality check for Rocker. They drop matches to Surge in London. Now, I don't necessarily think that this is like time to just like be like, oh my God, Rocker panic, because like Surge, we know our uh, top team, arguably the best team in the game right now. And London, uh, are kind of in the middle for me right now, but they're definitely not a bad team. Like, it's not like, oh my God, you lost to London. What are you doing? Like, it's not like something that's like terrible, but Rocker, they do fall to one and two now. Obviously, they have a win over Optic, which was around 11 that could have easily uh, gone the opposite way. Like, Rocker could very easily be 0 and 3 right now, and like, it's not that far off from happening. They're not, they're 1 and 2, which is obviously a little better, but kind of crazy to think about this team uh being one and two because they're a carryover roster from last year one of the few teams that didn't make a roster move uh i heard some interesting stats obviously this is your team but i kind of wanted to drop this on you and then kind of hear your your thoughts um i heard on on the reverse sweep episode on deserto i was listening to the beginning they were talking a little bit about rocker and how attach and like almost every series has the lowest engagements which you know you think attach is a more methodical player so it kind of makes sense but it's odd because he's playing a sub and in this game subs just play at a blistering pace with how fast the game is and how scrappy it is. And attach is oftentimes the lowest engagement guy, uh, which to me isn't necessarily a fault on how attach plays. Cause I think attach is one of the smartest players in the league. I just think it's a role issue and that's what they were talking about. Maybe Priesta needs to switch onto the sub because we know Priesta likes to play at such a fast pace. And this isn't me saying that and assuming that. I mean, this is from the mouth of Enable and Aix, who both, I mean, Aix team with Priesta for an entire season in IW uh, and Enable team with him for an entire season in Black Ops 4. Like, these are players that have been his teammates for a full year and have seen him use a sub full-time. Priesta was a full-time sub on that Cloud9 team in IW and a full-time sub, uh, except for maybe the occasional pullout of the Maddox in Black Ops 4 with 100 Thieves. So these are players that have played a full year. So if you don't trust to come from me, I would trust those two uh, to say that Priesta loves using the sub and running around and being fast paced and cameraing people. And um, I think that could be a potential fix for them. To me, it just seems like this rocker team has a very high floor because I don't think they're ever going to get blown on a series because they're always going to be so good at two, three, five. They're going to be a great search team and a good control team. Uh, to me, I feel like their floor is so high, but I don't know how high their ceiling is with this roster because an interesting stat I heard from one of the maps, I can't remember, I think it was a Berlin Hardpoint they played this weekend. They were like the early rotator to 11 hills, and they basically got insta-broke on nine of those hills and got outscored on them. Uh, this team is so fundamentally sound that for a game like Cold War, it worked perfectly because when they early rotated and they held a perfect setup, uh, they'd get that wave of kills. Other team would spawn out full 60 because that's how COD should be played. So to no fault of theirs, COD, uh, if it's played the right way and the game is made the correct way, that works. You get a full 60, and the rocker team's great but in this game the issue is they have that perfect setup uh and then somebody gets that random back spawn spawns behind them gets a three piece and their setup's chalked and they didn't hit the old time so now the other team's just scoring 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 on them uh i don't know what the rocker's ceiling in this game is win an event because of this uh but their floor is so high it's hard to justify making a switch because making one switch could really hurt their search and destroy game which uh they're a team that can rely on two three five and they could win a lot of series without winning hard point i truly believe that uh but at the same time, you could also use that argument and say, hey, you know what? If they could just become an average hardpoint team, they could be dominant because of how good they are at 235. So it's it's an interesting conundrum to be in, and I'd like to hear your thoughts on it. Yeah. Um, like reality check for Rocker. I think maybe that, you know, 
the the optic round 11 win maybe got a little like oh, the juices flowing like oh man you know you know rocker are just gonna find a way to clutch up and that's gonna carry them through and you know it was only one match um last week but uh yeah i i, I think that you know they kind of had a little come down to earth moment uh Obviously, I think we both took Seattle in our prediction, so I don't think we were predicting Rocker to like really be able to go toe to toe with Seattle. Uh, and then they ended up taking them to around eleven, game five, <laughs> and accuracy clutches. Um, but yeah, and then uh, you know they kind of they kind of didn't really have an answer for London at all. Like they got buried in the search and destroy, and then they you know they won the control, and then they got. Uh, you know that Tuscan hard point. Uh, it was close, but it wasn't. You know, you know, it wasn't a nail biter by any means. Uh, and yeah, I, I just think that. Uh, yeah, interesting what you say about a possible role swap uh, between attach and Priesta. Um, yeah, I, I might have to go listen to that uh, reverse sweep episode, or you know, start listening to that as well. Uh, but yeah, I. I couldn't. I, I could see that as being a possible, uh, you know, fix or a, a solution to, you know, what they're going through because you know, like like you're saying, attach is having low low numbers of engagements and especially in a in a you know quote unquote non conventional Call of Duty game, um, you know, you just need to be you know putting shots into somebody. You know, uh, you need to be having some kind of engagements, having some kind of presence on the map. Um, and I, I think that's what we're seeing a lot of the really successful teams do. You have like, you have Sib dropping like, or uh, you have sorry, you have Pred dropping like two hundred engagements in a in a series or something yeah. like, um, you know, so you know that's really what it comes down to. Uh, you know, a big part of it is just having engagements. Uh, so if if they can find a way to you know boost up attaches engagements or whatever. Uh, I think that would, you know, probably benefit them in the long run, uh, because we know this team works really well together. They have a lot of chemistry, um, but you know, at the end of the day, it comes down to being able to win matches. And yeah, it's only major one week two, um, so I'm, you know, I don't think anybody should be hitting the panic button with this team or you know, an optic team that still has a losing record. Like I don't think anybody's hitting panic buttons with these teams yet. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you'd hope to see them continue to grow and learn the game better. And, uh, you know, it might be that, you know, you would hope that this team can stick together and not have to, you know, bring in a, a, a new player, uh, especially since they, they did stand pat during the offseason. Uh, I mean, retrospectively, that, you know, is it has the beginnings of looking like a bigger gamble. Um, mm hmm you know something that may not pay off this year but you know in the in in the big picture of cdl can you, are you really only gonna you know you, you can't build a roster that's only gonna you know compete once every three years you know like oh we just have, we just have to wait to get back to Treyarch and traditional spawns because like you know is modern warfare 2022 gonna be squad spawns as well and then we're looking at like a team that you know still doesn't really fully grasp how to play it or you know they don't have the tools to play it i don't know yeah yeah it's it's all great questions and we're probably going to learn over the coming weeks because 
if we see this team go two and all this week, make a run to winners, have a good major one, might forget about the discussion even happening, but um they do play phase in LAG this week. So a potential own two week could be staring at them. Like it wouldn't be a shocking thing for them to lose two matches with the quality of teams they're playing this weekend. Then they're one and four, they're in losers and it could be talking role swaps, roster changes. A lot of things could happen with this team. Um, got a couple more teams storylines to discuss. I honestly am pretty good with kind of glossing over a few of the teams we have left. Unless, unless you have anything to say so we can get into uh, predictions right. because I mean, we got Boston splitting this weekend with Paris and phase. In my opinion, Boston showed exactly who we thought they were. They're going to be able to handle a team like Paris pretty easily because they're good, but they're not on the level of phase yet. Uh, and they get handled relatively easily. One positive I will say for Boston continues to be a player that I am a fan of, and that's TJ Haley. He looked very good against Paris, uh, and then against FaZe, he kind of struggled, but I mean, the whole team really besides Cap kind of struggled against them, uh, at least in the KD department. Uh, but I think TJ Haley has this team playing at a good level in search because I got to imagine he's calling a lot of the shots, and he's looked pretty solid in respawn so far. So, I mean, to me, this Boston team shows exactly who we think they are. Uh Good team, middle of the pack, are going to beat the bad teams, but they're still not at that phase level yet. But they were pretty competitive with phase, which is nice to see. So maybe maybe they can hit that level. Uh, and then you've got, obviously, Thieves, who uh, sweep the weekend. They get pushed to a map five by Florida, which is interesting. Then, you know, the full sale almost comes to fruition. Uh, it gets to a 6-4 after being up 5-0. Uh, and then subliners we talked enough about. So you got anything to say about those teams? Yeah, Um classic like you said like a, a denny green situation they are who we thought they were with, uh, with boston um you know you would just hope that this team can continue to grow with the game uh because obviously they, they seem to be you know one of the better teams that's figured it out at least you know they figured out how to win matches um you know obviously they, they face the worst and the best teams this weekend so you know a very polarizing split of uh mm-hmm. And they looked, they didn't look terrible. Like they, they didn't get like completely outclassed by FaZe either. They looked right. competitive with FaZe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, the, and then obviously, you know, they against Paris, you'd expect that any team in the league right now to beat them. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah. And then um, Thieves, like you said, got pushed to game five by Mutineers. I, I think that they're, you know, looking pretty good. I think Envoy is kind of coming into his own as well. He, he had some monster games in there. I saw he was dropping like 40 kills. I was like, holy crap. I mean, if, yeah, if, he looked if, he looked good. If if Envoy's rounding into form, like, oh, be be careful, like. Yeah, he looked great in that in that yeah, last series. Exactly, and then you know, uh, mutineers. I don't really want to spend too much time on them too. Just uh, you know, unfortunate results, like you know, uh, it looks like they're playing not half bad. They're just not getting the final results. Uh, and, you know, this is a team that, you know, it's hard to hate them too much. You know, they have some, you know, interesting personalities. Like, fan. Yeah, you don't want to, yeah, Skies and uh, Vivid, you don't want to, like, get too down on them. So, you know, um, but at the end of the day, you have to, you know, you have to win your matches in order to get CDL points. And, uh, yeah. you know, in, in, in that uh, Thieves series, they had three of their four players go positive. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas Thieves only had one of their four players go positive. So, like, you know, it just, yeah, this, you know, this, this game is just, uh, it's, it's a weird game and, uh, hopefully they can, you know, start to have some results because, you know, I don't think Florida, you know, should be a bottom team. I think they could be a middle of the pack team, but you know, they just have to start winning. So that's about all I have. Yeah. I mean, kind of piggybacking off that we can talk about quick before we, we do move on. Uh, we can look at and see, 
I mean, what team with a losing record are you most concerned about? Obviously, the teams we have listed here for losing record, Rocker at 1-2, and two, Optic at 1-2, and two, Mutineers at 1-3, and three, Subliners at 0-3, and, and Legion at 0-4. I think we can kind of take Legion out of this we mentioned because, like, what was our level of hope for them? Do we think that they were much better than 0-4 coming into the year? Probably not. Uh, the way I look at it when I'm evaluating this, I, I expected probably, well, not probably, I for sure expected Subliners to be better than 0-3 coming into this year. Um Mutineers are kind of about where they thought they were. I didn't expect Optic and Rocker to be one and two, you know, when looking at their rosters. But the way I kind of look at this, I think Rocker could finish one and four in the the regular season of this. So I am kind of concerned for them. But at the same time, I also still think, even though the Rocker are one and two, I still think at any moment they can win two searches and find a way to win a respawn and they can win a series. So I'm not like, I'm, I'm concerned about them. But in terms of this list, they're not the most concerning team. I think the same thing for Optic. Obviously not the 2-3-5 thing. Uh, but I think Optic can beat you down in two hard points and find a way to win one of those other maps. And I do think Optic is still a very good team. Not so concerned about them. Uh, Legion, like I said, out of it. Subliners, I'm very, very, very concerned. But at this point, I'm kind of like, you know, I think Clay and Krim will figure it out eventually. And if they don't, we're in some trouble and maybe have some some scary retirements coming down the barrel. But the team <laughs> I'm most concerned about is Mutineers. Uh, because kind of like I said, I'm kind of taking Paris out of this because they're Paris. Uh, I see a way Rocker can get out of this losing funk, like I said, through 2-3-5. I see a way Optic can get out ridiculous level of talent. They'll start winning games. Uh, I see a way subliners can get out regardless of how bad they look. They have Clay and Krim. We know those two could make them at least a 500 team at some point. But Mutineers, I don't know that I see a way out. And it's weird because, like, Skies, do we think, I think, uh, and you can go along with me on this one, Skies, I believe he's a pretty darn good player. Uh, Awakening, I believe he's a pretty good player. Vivid, I also believe he's a good player. And honestly, Dave Patey, we haven't seen a lot from him, but I believe he's a pretty good player too and a, a player deserving of being the CDL. I just don't think the mix works at all of them together on a team. I think you've got three main ARs and a sub, and the pacing is all kinds of off. Uh, they have a lot of talent. I just don't think they work together. So like, I can see a way, discounting Legion, I can see a way New York, Minnesota, and Optic can all come out of this and get better. I just don't know if I see a way Mutineers can get out of this and be a lot better. So I think I'm most concerned for them. Yeah, I mean, between me, it's, uh, you know, for me, it's between Mutineers or Subliners. Um, You know, Legion are, you know, who we thought they were. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And, you know, Optic and Rocker, like we said, probably have higher floors than what they've shown records-wise so far through three matches. Um, you know, Rocker had a kind of a tough go at it, and Optic, you know, lost some heartbreakers in week one. Uh, and then, you know, they're on the upswing right now, it would seem. Uh, so, yeah, I I don't know. I, I feel like my last little bit on Mutineers would kind of show that, yeah, I mean, you know, they're, it's just like, they're such, they're just such a blah team. Like, it's hard to, for me, it's almost hard to watch their matches just because it's like, it's not entertaining or, I don't know. Um, but, you know, and then they show flashes where they almost, you know, where they almost, you know, rever- you know full sail uh, thieves on, on that Bocage search. Um, so I, I, I don't know. Um, but then, then we go to subliners and it seems like they're in like no man's land right now. They're, you know, they could be looking to make a, another substitution for royalty. Like royalty might just be like a band aid holdover to maybe, you know, eke out a few match wins here or there. Um, I don't know. I mean, and 
I'm more I'm more concerned with subliners to be honest. I think that they, you know, if they're not getting results soon, I think that you know Clay and Krim might just retire like, you know, after stage one. I could I could honestly see that happening. I hope not. Um, they might just say you know enough with this shit and then <laughs> just get out. I don't know. Um, you know, like we we tried. You know, um, and especially since we we did see Clay do that. Last year, I mean, obviously, you know, I, I don't want to downplay the mental health aspect of, you know, what Clay ended up saying that he was like stepping away for. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, you can tell that tensions are kind of high over there. Um, but yeah, it, between for me, it's between mutineers or subliners. Uh, and I'll, 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 for, you know, for having a contrasting opinion, I'll say, I'll say uh, subliners. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, to me, those are the two clear choices: uh, mutineers and subliners. I'd agree. So I, I can definitely see that. Uh, and I hope your uh, statement that Clay and Krim could both retire is completely wrong, just because uh, it's definitely not a terrible take. But I, I want it to be wrong because I don't want them to leave us. Uh, I think we can move on into like our power rankings and pick'em standings. Uh, pick'ems were interesting this week because I believe I got two matches wrong in terms of the winner, and I think you only got one. Uh, and then you just had more map counts, correct? So you kind of uh, got more points for this week just because of those map counts. But we both did extremely well in terms of accuracy who's, uh, of who was going to win the series. If you have those, do you have those steady yeah, yeah, on yeah. hand? Otherwise, we can we can move on. Yeah, I have. Uh, so through two weeks, I have a total of 25 points and you have a total of 17 points. Uh, you know, we did a lot better with our uh, results picking this week you had uh you had two correct uh map results as well uh you only picked two wrong results which were the uh the rocker which we both picked wrong rocker I over picked both raven series ravens wrong, didn't I? yeah yeah <laughs> you did and then um you also picked the the lag ravens one wrong uh yeah which i i had lag in a three two in that one so i i don't know maybe seeing ravens be as hot as they were i would have changed that if you would have given me the opportunity to switch off of lag i might have but then yeah. uh it actually turned out to be the right result and then that's uh, kind of how i feel sometimes like i see my picks that i made for sunday and i'm like i really want to change that <laughs> yeah yeah so it was interesting but um yeah i mean obviously this week we saw how fast the uh the correct map results can really like boost you up because i i had four i i picked the boston paris 3-1 i picked the the phase Boston three one, and then I picked the Ultra three zero, which we both did, and then I picked the Thieves three one. Uh, you had them in the three two uh, over NYSL. So yeah, um, you know, obviously getting twelve points total out of those four matches is big. Um, so yeah, so that's where we stand: me twenty five, you twenty, or you seventeen. Yeah, honestly, a good week for both of us in terms of accuracy. Yeah. Uh, all right, we can do our power rankings quick. Just list them down uh, bottom to top and then get into our predictions and uh, wrap this one up, I think. All right. All right, so my power rankings, not honestly too much has changed. Uh, I finally put Paris in that 12 hole. I got Florida at 11. Uh, I've got New York at 10. And then here, I think there's a pretty big gap. I think there's a pretty big jump from New York up to nine because I have Boston at nine, although I do think they're, pre- they're a pretty good team to be listed at nine. Uh, Got Minnesota at eight, London at seven, Gorillas at six, 
Thieves at five, Optic at four, Ultra at three, Surge at two, and Phase still at one. Wow, that's interesting. You're you're gonna you're gonna scream when you hear mine. <laughs> uh, so for my power rankings, I have uh, Paris at twelve, Mutineers at eleven, Subliners at ten. I have Rocker at nine. Wow. I have, I have uh, Optic at eight, LAG at seven, Boston at six. Ravens at five, Thieves at four, Ultra three, Surge two, and Phase one. All um, right. So, you know, Optic is definitely trending up. I know I put them at eight, um, but you know they did start out zero uh, and two. Yeah, I don't think it's a bad position. Results just, matter. Yeah, and plus they they beat Paris, which is like a win is a win, uh, and a loss is a loss, as I you know we should say that as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and then uh, I have Bo- maybe I'm a little bit higher on Boston uh, than I you better are. see you pick Boston over Optic this week since you have them higher in the power rankings. <laughs> yeah, I mean I don't I, I don't know. I mean this is more like I don't know results oriented as well too. Yeah, and, uh, it's definitely not like unwarranted. Like when I hear Optic at eight, I'm not like oh my god, that's like there there's a justifiable reason why they'd be that low. I'm just going off how high I think their talent level is and their ceiling yeah. is. But like having them at eight is not ridiculous by any means. Hmm. So right. yeah, so we can uh, jump into predictions, I guess. Then yeah, well, I mean, we were we were pretty long winded on our talks from the past weekend, so we can kind of breeze through these predictions and get people on out of here. But uh, there's some interesting matches this weekend. Obviously, some big time matches because we've got some teams uh, like the uh, the Gorillas who are in a must win situation at two and two. Rocker obviously need to win some matches. Optic need to have a two and zero week. Uh, you've got a lot of teams that are in interesting situations that are fighting for their winner's bracket lives. Uh, obviously, Boston in that same situation at 2-1. and one, They need to win a match. Uh, so it'll be an interesting week to see how, how things play out. First match of the week, maybe not so interesting, and that's LA Thieves versus Paris. Uh, I can kick us off with the first prediction. I actually think when I look at this match, LA Thieves' weakness right now is their search and destroy. Uh, I think Paris... Their search and destroy hasn't been great, but they play very straight up and they're not going to make a ton of mistakes. I think Paris is going to win a search on LA Thieves, which is why I'm not going to pick a 3-0 like most people I think are, and I'm going to say 3-1 Thieves. All right, I'm going to go 3-0 Thieves. I just, I don't know. I don't have much warranted confidence in Paris right now. I think that Thieves are kind of, you know, hitting stride in in this online uh, environment as well. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I mean, not much else warranted. Uh, you know, it, like we said, it's a three or a three one. I'm going to, I'm going to go with the three O to maybe, yeah, I feel like that's going to be the common pick. I just think steal, these are steal. so bad in search right now that Paris might be able to take one. Maybe I can uh, steal some more correct map prediction points <laughs> or, or, or you, you can look like the smartest guy in the room for picking them to take the search. So, <laughs> all right, next match we've got, uh, to me, what becomes a little bit more of an interesting one, because I like I said, Rockers floor is so high. I feel like they're in every match, even if their record is not showing. And I feel like they're going to be in every match. I, I think this phase rocker match could be very, very interesting because of, of that fact that they could sneak a couple searches off. And then you never know, maybe uh, they have success and find a two, three, five win here. Uh, maybe we'll let you go first with this one because they are your boys. After all, your rocker. Are you going to pick the upset over phase? Uh no, I mean I I, think, <laughs> I I picked them to lose last week also in that uh in that surge match, so I, I don't think I should pick them to lose against 
the the next or the other best team in the game either. Mm-hmm. Um, or you know, I don't. I shouldn't pick them to win. I should say sorry. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna. Uh, I'll give my rocker guys. I'll give them one map, but I, I think that Phase is gonna close it out in hard point number two. Uh, so I'll go three one to Phase. Yeah, I'm having a really tough time between I'm going to agree with your winner in phase, but I'm having a really tough time uh, deciding between a 3-1 or a 3-2. I definitely think Rocker are either going to take the, the second search, or, or I'm sorry, the map two search, uh, or the map three control. I think they're going to find a way to take a minimum of one of those maps. Uh, and usually I never want to pick against the Rocker in a game five, but if there was a team that could beat them, phase are also a fantastic search and destroy team. Uh, I'm very excited to watch the S&Ds. I hope we get a game five because I want to watch two S&Ds between these teams because they arguably are the one and two teams for Search and Destroy in the game uh, currently and probably always will be uh, towards the top. So I really want to see five games selfishly because I want to watch two fantastic Search games. But I'm going to I'm gonna agree with you and go 3-1 uh, phase. I, I think their respawn game is going to be a little too much. I think Rocker will win a map two or three uh, and then phase will, will take two hard points uh, and one of those uh, map two or three and win a 3-1. All right, moving on to uh, an interesting matchup because it's Optic versus their boogeyman from last year, the team that they just couldn't beat. It felt like last year, Optic, you know, we knew that they had the talent and they could potentially become a top four team uh, or break into that top three. But every time the team that seemed to stand in their way of breaking into the top three uh, finish at a tournament was Ultra. And every time Ultra stood strong and seemed to beat them, uh, they knocked them on at champs and everything too. Like Ultra was the the Optic boogeyman last year. So interesting to see. Uh, in this first time they play them, if Optic can get can get that monkey off their back and maybe take out Ultra and kind of turn a new leaf, uh, I'm gonna make a weird statement here and say I think this is like one of the most important early season matches we've seen Optic have in a very long time. Uh, because I do think that 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 mental block of Ultra dominating them last year uh, could weigh on them, and if they're able to get that mental block off their back and beat them, it could really unlock things for them, and then. Um, they're gonna have a lot of momentum if they're two and two going into that Boston match playing for a winner's bracket spot. And I think I could see them steamroll Boston if they do win this match. I'm just unsure if they do it to be honest. Uh, and you can tell me if I'm wrong. I think a lot of this depends on how good Cammy's feeling because who knows if, if he's got a lot of lingering effects and just like we saw with optic players, they said it took them like over a week to really get back into it last year, going into champs and, uh, uh, some players we know this year have had kind of lingering effects of just feeling tired and fatigued and not as focused from COVID. So if, if, if Cammy's not feeling the best, it, it could get interesting. Uh, like if Hixie's playing, I could see a world where Optic wins this, but I'm leaning towards Ultra for now. What are you, what are you leaning? I think 3-2. Okay. Uh, I've, I really, really, really want to pick Optic in an upset because I think at some point they're bound to hit stride and be the top four team. We believed they could be. But I just feel it's very hard to pick against Ultra because what's Optic's question mark right now? And that's consistency. What do we know Ultra is? The team of consistency. Like, what Optic's weaknesses that up and down, up and down is Ultra's strength. Like, you can always rely on Ultra to be a great team. Like, it's, I don't know, you, I want to know if you agree or disagree, but I like, it's almost impossible for me to predict Ultra just getting blown out in the series, right? Like, it, it just feels like oh, it yeah. can't happen. Like, yeah, I mean, they're always going to be in a series. So, like, and I can see Optic getting blown out of the water by Ultra just being so perfect. Although I do think Cold War was a benefit because Optic maybe didn't have as good a teamwork and Ultra's teamwork is perfect. So I feel like Optic uh, matches up with Ultra better in this game with how mixy it can get. Uh, 
although Ultra's talent level is right up there with Optics. I'm not trying to say Optics a lot better uh, in terms of the mechanical skill department, but I'm going Ultra 3-2 because I think they're the better search team, but I'm not going to be shocked if Optic pull an upset here. Yeah, this game definitely has a 3-2 written all over it. You know, you would just like two powerhouse teams you would, you would, you know, I mean, put on is paper. Off the charts. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm going to go with a 3-2 as well. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to give the edge to Ultra here. Uh, it'll be interesting though if if uh, if it comes out that Cami has to, you know, he's not a hundred percent, or that he's gonna, you know, give Hixie the go again this week. Who knows? Um, but like we were saying, Ultra has, you know, they have their work cut out for them this weekend. They have, uh, you know, they have Thieves coming up after this. Um, yeah, I mean, this is a tough week for them. Yeah, I mean, they could easily find themselves. I, I shouldn't. I think "easily" is such a cop out answer, but you know, they mm-hmm. they in it, there is a world where they could find themselves, you know, sitting at you know two and three. And that would be a shame then, if they're in losers bracket because we know they're not a bottom four team. Right. Yeah, but I mean, they they just definitely had, they had a harder stage one than you know they. Oh they yeah, had, I mean, they lost they had surge. surge. <laughs> yeah, I mean this. I mean, I if I was ultra, if I was an ultra fan, I'd be kind of you know. Yeah, it means ball. they got easier matches coming up. Well, I, you know, I I would be you know looking at the CDL and being like, hey, you better you better you know throw some you know Paris's you know Legion you know Paris New York at our at us soon you know before you know what if it turns out to be that New York like rounds into form and then they you know we're thinking New York should be a hard matchup and then it, or yeah. an easy matchup and then it turns into being a hard one. I don't know. So Ultra definitely got a little bit shafted this uh, this stage, but I'm gonna take him in a three two here. Yeah, I, I agree with that. But I'm in terms of series for this weekend, this might be the one I have circled as the match I will want to see the most. Uh, I'm really excited for the, this this day of matches. I mean, obviously, you know, Thieves Paris, that's kind of, you know, whatever. But I am so excited for Phase Rocker because I love Search and Destroy. You all know that. And I think this could be like heavyweight Search and Destroy match. And then, I mean, Ultra Optic. Uh, I'm hoping there's not like a quick 3-0 from either end or something. Like it seems to always get when we get a match we really want to see. But Man, like you said, Ultra has been shafted with their schedule. Uh, two tough matches this week, but that should be an absolute gauntlet and a banger of a series. I'm super excited for that one. Uh, Optic has a chance to change the narrative on them, and Ultra has a chance to continue kind of owning Optic over the last uh, year and going into this this new season. Next matchup, though, we've got Surge versus Florida. Uh, this is where I'm picking my first 3-0. Uh, I'm going Florida 3-0. I'm just kidding. I'm going Surge 3-0. Uh, to me, Surge are, if not best team in the game, they're number two right now. Florida, I think, are maybe in the bottom two teams in the game. So uh, this seems like if there's a place I'm going to pick a 3-0, it should be here. So I'm going Surge 3-0. Yeah, I'm going to I, I I'm seeing a hard I'm I'm hard pressed to pick Florida to take a single map off of Surge. We just see Surge are just so dominant in every game mode right now. And this um, guy, Sim, might be the best player in the game. Might be. Right I now. mean, right right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I think we're still seeing other teams kind of, you know, learning this game. It's a progressive, you know, it's an evolution. This game is, you know, uh, but, you know, Surge definitely have the pieces, uh, you know, in the puzzle right now. And they, they, they have it, you know, almost all completed <laughs> to where to where the game is at right now. So I'm going to I mean, the most I could give Florida is maybe a map, but I, I just think that Surge are just too dominant. So I'm going to I'm going to copy your pick here and take Surge 3 yeah, I mean, in my opinion, if you want to play like a devil's advocate situation, you could say that, you know, it took Surge uh, a Matt 5 round 11 to beat Rocker, who have been a little shaky. Um, 
and Rocker beat them in a hard point and were close on another hard point. So like, I mean, that, that's the argument you can make as a team like Rocker, who's very, very, very much struggled in respawns, uh, beat them in a hard point and were very close in another one. So like took a, a Mat 5 round 11 to beat a maybe struggling Rocker team is the devil's advocate you could play to maybe say Florida's going to take some maps. But yeah, I think Surge 3 is a good pick. All right, New York versus Boston. Uh, our first regular season instillment of what the CDL is also trying to make a new rivalry because obviously you got the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry in, uh, in baseball, one of the most storied rivalries. They're trying to make this New York-Boston uh, Boston match a rivalry. This is a big match for Boston uh, because win this and uh, they're 3-1, and one, I believe, pretty much find themselves locked into a winner's bracket spot, which would be absolutely pivotal for this team because uh, we've heard how good they look in scrims come into the year and they've obviously proved that that wasn't too much of a fluke. Like they look like a pretty good team right now. Their only loss being to phase, uh, which is obviously not a loss to be ashamed of or anything. And they looked pretty good in it. Uh, I think New York will improve this week though. I actually think this one, I think shockingly, I don't think a lot of people are going to pick this. I think this is going five maps. Uh, I'm picking Boston in that map five to win it three, two, but I think New York are going to start to figure things out, get a little better as a team. Royalty, I think, will be moved and not be on 80 to 100 ping. Playing, He was playing Canada to a Denver, Colorado server, uh, which I got to believe is pretty brutal. And like he said, like the lowest ping he hit on any of the maps was 80. Uh, I think that is maybe going to get a little lower for him. He's going to move in time. think they're going to improve a little bit, uh, but not enough to win the series. So Boston, 3-2. Yeah, I'm going to go 3-1. Uh, I just think it's gonna. It, I don't know if uh New York really have two map wins in their in their back pocket yet. Um, especially yeah, I don't against, really know either. <laughs> especially, against, especially against Boston, I think you know. Uh, Boston definitely has the edge in search. I would say. Um, with TJ, and then uh, I just think you know they they have more chemistry right now as well. Uh. I, I just don't see it going five maps, so I'm going to go Boston 3-1. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's probably, to be honest, I think you probably have the smartest pick, but, I mean, if we know anything about our history, I'm kind of the one that likes to go a little random and pick weird map counts and maybe a weird winner sometimes. Uh, I definitely think 3-1's probably the safest and most logical pick, though, uh, for Boston in this one. And they're also playing with a lot on the line, so it's the first real pressure series for guys like Cap and Nero. It'll be interesting to see how that works because obviously there's there's some pressure on this one because you lose this one and then you're playing optic for a shot and winners which obviously is a, t- a tougher match right now than it is to play new york uh all right next match we've got your boys and rocker versus lag this is another banger of a series in my opinion these these teams are kind of in the same area ish uh in my head of how good they are and i i really think that this is kind of a toss-up series i'm very very excited i mean Man, I'm looking ahead at the matches we have to predict. The next three matches are bangers. Uh, I'm very excited for all of these. We've got some good matches this weekend. Rocker, LAG, and this one. Who are you leaning on this one? Obviously, this is this is your rocker, but to me, this is a very, very, very tight series. Tough one to predict. I'm going to... I don't know. The recent performances would lean me to... Or would, you know, bias me towards picking gorillas. <laughs> um... But uh, I'm gonna take a flyer and say that Rocker can, you know, maybe find a way to do it. Uh, confidence level is probably less than fifty percent, but I'm gonna do it because I know you're gonna take Gorillas probably. So ho- mm-hmm. hoping to hoping to steal a uh, 
hoping to steal a uh, some points here in the in the pickums. Um, so I'm gonna say Rocker get it done in five. So three two. You know what? Just since you said I should pick LAG, I'm gonna do it to be different. Uh, then you, you don't have you oh. pick, pick pick who you want. I, the thing is with this one, to me, this is like a series that like if you told me, hey, flip a coin, heads is rocker, tails is LAG, uh, I would literally flip it and I'd just go with whatever result because I feel I feel that series like this series here is that much of a toss up. Like I literally think that these teams in my head. Uh, I think clearly LAG is the better respawn team. I think uh, Rocker are the better search team. I also think it's a pretty wide gap. I think LAG are clearly the better respawn team. And I think Rocker are clearly the better search team. So it might just come down to that slower pace respawn and the control. Uh, to me, I feel like who wins the control wins the series in this one. I am going to go LAG 3-2. I think they're going to clutch out a map five. I know I said I'd never like to pick against Minnesota in a five game series, but I'm going to. I'm going to flip the script on you. You say 3-2 Rocker. I'll say 3-2 Gorillas. Uh, but in terms of confidence level, this is the least confident I felt picking a series of the ones this week. I mean, this one, like I said, coin flip to me. I mean, I wish I wish I had a coin near me. I literally would have flipped one uh, and went with who it said. But I'll, I'll go LAG 3-2. Be a little different. And uh, I don't really feel confident in either one. So it's. It's, it's fun to be different. All right. Thieves Ultra. Like I said, these this this one and the next one are some banger series, in my opinion. Even the one after that, I think maybe the last series of the week's a little bit of a snoozer. But uh, this match and the next two even after this, I didn't even see that one after that, that Boston Optic. These are all banger matches. We got Thieves Ultra. Where are you leading here? I'm going to go with the Thieves I here. was thinking that too, darn it. <laughs> I'm going to say Thieves get it done they're gonna win the second hard point, and then they're gonna they're gonna win like one, two, and four, or one, three, and four. But the, I think Ultra are gonna take the search. Um, I don't think I don't think it's gonna go game five, but I could see it going game five. Like usually when we get these banger matches, it's always easy easy to just say, oh, it's gonna it's, this is going game five. But um, I'm gonna be a little bit different. I'm gonna say it's gonna end in four, and Thieves are gonna get it done. Yeah, uh, I like the end in four pick. That's that's a that's a bold pick. And after I just said, you're the one that usually likes to play it safe. You went bold. I I like it because, I mean, we, it, I would is is the is thieves in four the new bucks and six? Uh, no, 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 no. They're not the level of the bucks. Hey, calm down over there. Uh, <laughs> I'm like as far as like, saying, I don't know. I mean, yeah. I I mean, I don't know. You can tell me you agree, disagree. I would say thieves are the underdog in the series still. I w- I would say yeah. I would say yes. Uh, I mean, now we're not talking like like crazy upset if they would win this or anything, but I would say Ultra are definitely based on like, I feel like we know Thieves can get to the level of Ultra, but I think Ultra are like safer, more steady. I feel like they're the favorite, but I was going to say Thieves as well, so I'm kind of sad that you said it. Uh, and I was going to go with like a 3-1, 3-2, because I picked a lot of 3-2s. Now, granted, this game with, with how mixy it is and the way things tend to go, it, it, this game just builds a lot of three, two series, the way that it's played. But I really want to go thieves three, one. That's kind of what I was thinking. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go with you thieves three, one. I feel like that's really odd that we're both picking them. Cause I thought this was definitely a series. That would be one that we could split on because, uh, you've got two teams. One is, I mean, I feel like ultra are the, the, the favorite in the series, but it's another one of those uh, matches between teams that are very close in our power rankings. They're probably both in that like three to five range, three to five, three to six range. I'm going to agree and go Thieves 3-1. Uh, thieves and, I mean, 
you know, one of your favorite players in the league, I believe at least, is Straza. He's in that team. Maybe you got a little bias. I got a little bias maybe because my favorite player in the league, Kenny, is over Kenny. there on that team. Yeah. So uh, maybe there's a little bias kicking in or something, and I, I want to cheer for them. But if you know anything about me too, I mean, those boys over on Ultra, who's one of my favorite players in the league, I mean, Cammy is right up there too. Cammy, and this is a battle of arguably my two favorite players in the league, although Afro's sneaking up there. Uh, so I'm I'm always excited to watch a Cammy versus Kenny battle because argument to be made that they're my two favorite players in the league so i'm going 3-1 uh thieves looking for kenny to have a pop-off series but this is going to be a banger i I think you would agree with that yeah i I, I do agree yeah all right next series another one that i said it could be a very good one raven surge uh maybe not one that we would peg to start the year as, as a really interesting match I think once again, Surge, clear favorites in this one. Uh, they have been the better team so far, but London uh, could be playing for uh, a higher seed, maybe to potentially play one of those uh, teams that are more towards the bottom of the winner's bracket because they could improve to four and one. Uh, I don't know if it goes by head to head or if it's multiple teams tied, it goes by map count because obviously if they win this and it goes by head to head, they would be ahead of the Surge uh, with both being uh, four and one. Uh, if uh, if Surge are able to beat Florida early in the week, which I'm assuming they will be able to. Um, I'm obviously leaning towards Surge in this one. I, I could see a world where London could potentially win it because I-, I think they have a lot of talent. And you know, with a team like the Surge that is young, there isn't any moment they could just kind of have a sloppy series uh, as they learn how to be pros and learn how to play the game at a high level. Uh, I am going to lean Surge here and I'm going to lean in a 3-1 although I feel like as I say it I'd like want to say 3-2 because of how these series tend to go but you know I I am going to say 3-2 I'm going to say 3-2 surge they clutch up in a map 5 um, and take out London 3-2 an accuracy 1v4 or, some, or something <laughs> I mean I'd be all for it that'd be an, <laughs> another another they line up moment oh god yeah um, yeah I could honestly see this series like you said go any multitude of ways um surge could come out and just like lay an egg and then london could like you know blow them off the map uh i could see surge continuing their dominance and just like you know having their way i could see a game where it's just like super a match where it's just super mixy the whole time and like you know you have hard points end on like a you know like a 210 to 190 or something like you know it just expires on time or something um yeah end of the day i'm gonna be I'm going to be really bold and say Surge uh, go 3-0 here. Uh, wow. I just, not that, you know, I, I just think, Sir, I, I don't think it's an indictment on London to lose this match. Um, and I wouldn't even really panic if I was a London fan. You know, if this happens to be a 3-0 as I'm predicting, um, I just think Surge are going to have a day and London might get caught out and just not have the answer for them on on this day. So um, for the sake of being bold and for the sake of, you know, this is what my gut is telling me to pick right now, uh, I'm going to say Surge get it 3-0. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't mind the bold pick. Uh, I don't know if I can get on board with it because I, I can't pick my London team to get destroyed, but... Uh... I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. This is this is another one of those series that I can see going any multitude of ways. I, I definitely feel strongly that like Surge are the team to pick here, but uh, I could see London making this series interesting and, and forcing a map five like I picked uh, and maybe squeaking it out or something. Like I don't think uh, it's an impossible task for them, but uh, they don't have as much to play for potentially because it seems like they probably have winners locked up at three and one. Obviously, Surge do as well. Uh, 
because they're 3-0 coming into the week. But this, this is another match that I think has some potential to be good. And it's also a matchup of the rookies in Nasty and Gizmo versus the rookies in Sib and Pred. So our first taste of seeing uh, what now seems to be a very good rookie class uh, go head-to-head. Getting into our second-to-last match of the week, Boston versus Optic. And, and like we mentioned, this could be a pivotal series for seeding. Uh, depending on what all happens in the week, if Optic is able to beat Ultra and be two and two, uh, and really regardless of what Boston does, if they're if they're also two and two, obviously if they lose to New York, this becomes a crazy series with both teams being two and two. But even if Boston wins and is three and one, but Optic's at uh, two and two, they could jump them, getting both of them to three and two. Like this could be a pivotal game for seeding. Only way it's not as if Optic is taken out by Ultra like we picked, but. Uh, where are you, where are you thinking for this Boston optic series? This is an interesting one. I, I mean, I, I will say, I, I think optics going to win kind of deciding map count right now. Uh, I'm going to pick optic in a three, one. Yeah. I mean, we have them, we have optic losing in the first one to ultra. Um, mm-hmm. and I just, I don't know a world where optic are one and four in the opening stage of the season is just like almost unfathomable unfathomable yeah because i'm tongue-tying myself here <laughs> but um you know, just because it's, you know you, you can't even imagine it you know um yeah it, especially with this this roster we thought there's no yeah. way that's possible yeah i think it's i don't know i just hope optic doesn't chalk their vibes too much after ultra you know, if they do happen to lose Ultra, obviously, if they if they beat Ultra, they're going to be flying high. If they beat Ultra, I think they're going to steamroll this series. Yeah, yeah. Um, but this is also, you know, they're going to have. So this is a Sunday match, I believe. Uh, mm-hmm. And you know, they haven't played, so they're going to have Saturday off. Uh, I don't know. I'm I'm reading tea leaves. Look at me. Um, yeah. I'm going to say Optic get it done in four maps. Uh, Okay, that's what I said. No. Yeah, yeah 3-1. so yeah, 3-1 sounds about right. All right, last match, phase New York, 3-0 phase. You disagree, agree? Uh, uh, I agree phase. Um, you know, it really comes down to just like, you know, oh, can New York, you know, s- you know, somehow steal a map? Um, I don't know. I'm going to go phase 3-0, though. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I feel like... I always say you got to pick a couple three O's and I feel like this is another candidate for a three O with how bad New York has looked and how, how good phase has looked really. And phase seems to be on the upward trend right now. Seem to be improving every week. Um, but that's, that's our predictions all wrapped up. Um, got a little bit of a special Valentine's day. This, this episode will probably going up the day after Valentine's day. Um, a little special Valentine's day edition segment. It's going to be short and sweet to the point, but we want to talk about something from this past weekend, Vanguard in general, and then the last one, maybe about the history of COD, something we love from this past weekend or it's Vanguard so far, something we hate from Vanguard uh, this past weekend or kind of so far. And then one thing we miss, what are we missing in COD at this point in Vanguard or in general? Uh, I'm going to start off with one thing I love. I do love the mixiness of this game only for the fact that it provides so many game fives because as you guys know i live for snd and clutch moments and just love the game mode so i love a good game five where it gets really tense uh i don't love the mixiness for respawn because i think it makes it chaotic to watch i think it's exciting for maybe the untrained eye because it's just like head bash head bash engagement engagement could be fun but like for somebody that loves the strategy of respawn uh i don't necessarily love that but i do love the fact that it provides us 
with so many game fives. Uh, so that's one thing I'm loving about Vanguard so far. How about you? Yeah, what do I love about this? I, I love uh, the Seattle Surge. Um, hey. They've been rewriting the script on what they were. Um, I think it's, you know, a big benefit not only for the players that, you know, took a chance and went there after the negative press that was, uh, you know, surrounding, you know, Octane was just like burning the place down as he left. Uh, mm-hmm. you, you had Joey Nubsy being asked who, who would fill his replacement. Um, and, you know, I, I think a lot of the offseason talk was like, eh, you know, is Seattle really the best place to go? Um, but I, obviously these players have, uh, you know, just cast that aside. Uh, they've put their seemingly put their egos to the side as well. And, uh, you know, they're making the most of the opportunity that they have. And, uh, you know, I, I credit them, you know, pretty big uh, on doing that. And, yeah, so that's what I love. I, I love the surge making a name for themselves. All right. I like that. One thing I'm hating from this game so far, though this might be a little bit of a shock, the automaton. Not a fan. Fun to use. Not, I do not like automaton gun, either. But it's boring. It's it's for spectator-wise, it's boring. I think the pros actually probably aren't a big fan either. It shoots so fast. Also, when I'm playing with it, I feel like sometimes I just like can't get a multi-kill. If, if the first... Uh, gunfight maybe takes me and my shots are a little windy i miss a couple shots or something it's like you run out of bullets so fast like you're always reloading the gun is just annoying to watch because it shoots so fast and doesn't recoil it's like it bails you out of so many situations also it has this like weird delay when you're playing that's it's hard to notice unless you're like playing is like sometimes when you jump to try to shoot it just like doesn't shoot right away it's like this it's like weird and hard to like jump shot with out of attack sprint uh it just it's not a fun thing to watch because it is such a beam and it kills so fast, shoots so fast. Like, I, don't, I, I wish the SDG was the meta because I, I feel like the SDG with its fire rate being more of a normal AR and not being as good up close with like the automaton could just spray somebody really fast from up close. I, I'm not. I'm not a fan of the automaton. I wish. I wish the SDG could become meta and we could see. Uh, really, it, a true flex would really come out because a lot of times they're just running second AR, kind of like Cold War in this game, unless it's like a bow cage because of how good the automaton is and it's even good from up close, but. I'd love to see the STG become the gun because that would uh, that gun isn't nearly as good up close with its fire rate. So it'd be it'd be interesting to see the meta shift if STG became the main AR. Yeah, the just a comment on yours. The S the uh, automaton reminds me of the Cold War M uh, M4 before yeah. it got banned. Yeah, um, or before it got GA'd. Like it was just like a beamer, like it kills you and just like you know it just melts. Um, obviously the TTK in this game is like kind of ridiculous as well. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I, I, I'd like to see a shift in the meta too. It's, it's just kind of boring seeing a gun, just like laser beam somebody, uh, as well, like, you know, point and shoot kind of, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, uh, I, I like that one. Um, for me, I hate the squad spawns, like, I'm I'm somebody that likes to watch the mini like sometimes I take my eyes off of the gunfights and I just look at the mini map and like especially on hard points like you can see like rotations and stuff and how how spawns work um you know for me like last year like I I just like remember distinctly like one point like I was I think it was a uh, like checkmate hard point like it was almost beautiful to watch the the mini map on that map like even though checkmate had its flaws um you know, sometimes just watching the 
the mini map and how spawns came in and then like when the hill flips and then like if you have the map control it just makes it, it makes sense um but squad spawns you know just people just going anywhere around the hill and then you know just like it doesn't seem like there's any like anchor um to one particular spawn it's just hard to look at um and it doesn't really make much sense to me um especially no. since especially since i'm not playing the game so i don't really like you know like towards the end of uh you know modern warfare you know you had like uh parasite saying like i have figured out the meta for spawns like somebody needs to hire me to teach them the spawns i was like this is just silly like what like you need to have some like scientist teach you how to you know manipulate spawns or something like that just it it kind of takes away from the fundamentals of what we know call of duty to be um so yeah, that's something I hate. I hate I hate squad spawns, and it seems like we might be in for another year of that next year. So who knows? Yeah, yeah, it's kind of funny you say that as one thing you hate because uh, one thing I miss I said was normal spawns. <laughs> I said I feel like the art of the comeback, uh, in a way, and like beautiful team play, kind of basically what you mentioned is something that's just completely missing with squad spawns. Like you talked about a checkmate. Uh, with like any map in a normal game mode, like the ones I'll go back to because they're just some of the most beautiful maps are like a raid, a standoff, even a lot of the Black Ops 3 maps. Like I feel like a full 60 is just like almost impossible now uh, when you're maybe playing like ranked play and you're a completely superior team. It's obviously still possible because like if you're just 10 times better than the people you're playing, you can like dominate them win 250 to 20 or whatever. But at a pro level where the teams talent wise are always pretty even a full 60 is almost impossible now because people just randomly spawn behind you and spawn so close that eventually they're going to flood you and kill you when they're spawning so close. Um, to me, the most beautiful moments in respawn cod are when you got that team, like a, uh, like seaside black ops four to use a more recent thing. When optic was down against splice and, uh, like they were down like two, one in the series in the winner's finals against temp and, uh, the boys over at splice and, optics down like 245 to 160 and they rally and win the game they rally off like 90 100 straight points and they win the game and it's like i mean that could not happen in this game you could not come back from like a 245 to 150 deficit uh and rally off that many points in a row because of how close people spawn eventually they're going to spawn make you weak they're going to spawn so close you're still going to be weak when they see you and eventually they're just going to flip you out uh and that's why we see the most games we've probably ever seen ending without a team hitting 250 because of how just mixy it is and how hard it is to hold a full 60 like like i said the art of a perfect respawn is almost dead like you're probably never going to see 100 point clubs this year like you could uh in previous titles uh and it leads to not having some of the great moments i understand this is uplink and spawns are kind of like control they stay pretty consistent but the greatest example of the most beautiful respawn moment in my opinion in cod history is envy uh the slasher uh jcap apathy and john roster at iw champs uh against that clay pristini um i believe at that time they had silly on the roster uh and arsides and they were down like what uh 10 to 12 nothing i don't know they were down like 10 nothing some crazy crazy deficit at iw champs like and going for top four and there's like three minutes left on the clock and they go to a listening with envy and i'm sure you've all seen the clip if you haven't you need to watch it it's the most beautiful teamwork in god history and they just rally off a bunch of dunks in a row they're like spawn killing united and they rallied off they just listen they have a listen in the whole time and it's like the most perfect communication the most perfect rally they know where they're spawning they play the spawn kills perfect uh and there's no random spawn of somebody behind you and they just play everything perfectly and it's just the most beautiful respawn moment and it seems like those comebacks are almost dead uh 
without the normal spawns. So I, I miss them. I miss normal spawns in Call of Duty, which we had one one year of last year, and it led to some cool comebacks and some cool moments. Yeah, that's uh. So we sh- we share a very similar uh, <laughs> hate versus miss, I guess. Um, I think you also with your hate. I think you miss them too. Yeah. Oh yeah, I do. Um, for me, I put um, I miss uh, you know, colorful looking Call of Duty. Um, yeah, Black Ops Three, Black Ops Four. Black Ops Four is just like, even though it's like few, you know. I, I get a lot of like some maybe some like older purists like me that you know came up in like the COD Four Modern Warfare you know we don't really like I didn't really like the I don't really like vibe with like the whole jetpacks you know guns that aren't don't actually exist in real life I don't know um, yeah you know, I, I kind of I've come around on that in the last few years though like just watching some of the old clips and matches and stuff uh, mm-hmm. you know I think COD evolved into you know that jetpacky futuristic era um and it kind of left the realism stuff to battlefield and other games like that and it was when it had the most viewers at that time too yeah yeah uh, and then obviously uh you know we saw you know modern warfare was a stark departure from like the color palette um you know i i guess you could say world war ii was as well but that was maybe just more like the the devs wanting to be like true to the you know to the films and stuff i guess um and then I don't. I, I think Cold War was okay with color palette. Um, it definitely wasn't, you know, a shiny thing. Uh, and then this one, you know, I, I feel like World War Two just kind of pigeonholes developers into you know grayscaling sepia tone, uh, so sepia toning everything. Um, and it just looks like a you're watching like a historical movie or something, like a, a Saving Private Ryan or something. Just like there's, it just looks all gray and you know the colors are just muted um and then you go back and when you watch like uh a black ops 4 match or something that's just like colors are popping at you but it it doesn't look cartoony like fortnite or something it just looks like i don't know it looks vibrant i don't know so i i miss like a color palette that actually like pleases your eyes but doesn't like overwhelm you i don't know yeah it i i Fully, fully, I you know I'm on board with that. I'm I'm a jetpack. I think jetpack should be back in the game next year and every year from here on out. Uh, and I think I, I I mean nobody wants to play a game with gray color schemes everywhere and like no color and the camos are just boring. We want to play a game uh, with reactive camos that make our guns look cool and actually like make you want to earn them. And we want to play a game that's super colorful because I I think this has been done as like a psychology study too. <laughs> like you're more interested when things are vibrant and like look pleasing to your eye than when they make you depressed and remind you of world war two. Like, yeah, you're, you're like, more interested in it. Like yeah, when, when something looks like, beautiful, you want to play it. Yeah. It's like Tuscan. It's like, I'm on a, I'm like playing like an all orange map or something like, yeah, I don't know. It's like, I mean, I get that. That's what like they, they were going for like a very like Italian esque, you know, uh, looking map or something, but it doesn't have to be like all like orange, you know, or, like Gavutu doesn't have to be like all like shades of blue and gray and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, you, you want all those colors because I mean, exactly. I get that it's a World War Two theme game, but like, I'll be honest with you. Like if I load into a game and it's a World War Two titled Call of Duty and it's not like it's really colorful, I'm not going to be like, oh, my God, I can't believe they put colors in this game. I thought everything was black and white back then. Nobody's going to care. Everybody's going to be happy that there's colors. Bring the colors back. I agree with you. I miss that, too. There's a lot of things I could elicit here, but. Bring the colors back. 
Uh, we need him. I, I don't think we're going to get him next year, uh, but we know Treyarch will always bring us back to the promised land and, and put some colors in their game uh, the following year. All right. Down bad sports moment of the week. I might I might just let you you know rock with this one because I think we all know what you want to talk about. I mean, I'm just sad that football is gone. Let's let's be honest. Uh, I think, you know, last year basketball was fun for me because uh, my Milwaukee Bucks won the title for the first time in my lifetime. Uh, maybe last time, who knows, it's hard to win a title when you're in such a small market, uh, but they won it for the first time. So that was obviously sad for me to see basketball and football have always been pretty even to me, but I don't know, lately I've just been a little bit more into the NFL and football. It's, it's my favorite sport that or the NBA. Those are my two favorite sports. They're really the two sports that I watch. The other ones I, I tune into here and there, but uh, those are the two sports that I mainly watch. And NBA is uh, in the middle of the regular season, getting down towards the end. So I'm excited to watch my bucks, hopefully go back to back. That's kind of what I'm looking forward to, but I'm I'm very down bad that football is over because I would probably have to say it's my favorite sport. So I'm gonna miss it. It's gonna be a long time until it's back. Uh, it's got a pretty long off season. I mean, let's be honest. The first regular season games kick up in September, which is like seven months away. It's a long time to wait for some more football. Yeah, true, true. All right, I have a triple header for you today. <laughs> um, number one, uh, short. Um, baseball is still in a lockout and spring training is supposed to start, um, soon. Uh, and it doesn't seem like, you know, it seems like they're still kind of at an impasse. I, I couldn't be, I, I couldn't be the first one to tell you what they're even arguing about. Um, but yeah, it seems like they're, you know, reportedly not close to getting a deal done and, Mm -hmm. you know, it likely might impact the start of the regular season, which would just be like such a joke uh in the 21st century to to have your regular season impacted especially since they play 164 flipping games yeah in a year um you know i don't think anybody wants to be you know watching baseball in the middle of november uh you know we are it already goes late enough into like you know near snowy conditions in at the end of the playoffs anyway um so yeah that's my number one number two what the hell is up with Russia in the Olympics? Um, <laughs> you know, you have this 15-year-old skater who had a positive drug test for uh, some cardiac medication from two months ago that just now gets reported to the Olympic Committee. Um, and then now they're saying that, you know, she's still allowed to compete, but if she places in the top three, they're just going to cancel the medal ceremony. Um in my opinion, Russia should, uh, you know, you know, after the 2014 Sochi debacle where they were passing urine samples through a hole in the wall, um, <laughs> yeah, I could make a very inappropriate joke about like uh, you know, holes in the wall and passing stuff through <laughs> it. Um, but you know what the hell? You know, so so they banned Russia, the country, and then they made them like the OAR, the Olympic athletes from Russia, and now they're the ROC, the Russian Olympic Committee. I don't know what on earth is going on. Um, it just seems like a, a total money shill to appease Russia. Um, and, you know, somehow, like, you know, the Olympics are just a money shill as well, like far from what they used to be. Um, they have record all-time low viewership right now. Uh, it doesn't help that this is the third straight Olympics being held, you know, on the Asian continent. So, obviously, the uh, the time differential for, you know, European and uh u.s viewers is just like you know the middle of the night they're playing like you know a a hockey game or something it's just it doesn't make sense add on that this whole like russian doping thing um 
I don't know, see my Twitter if you want more, you know, hot takes on that. Mm-hmm. Number three, and this is, uh, you know, my former quarterback, Matthew Stafford, finally got his Super Bowl ring. Wow, you know, come down off the cross, Matthew. You know, you don't have to keep suffering for us, you know. Um <laughs> You know, you know, please let me take the nails out of your hands and feet. You know, come down off the cross. Um, you know, you had these ridiculous Detroit sports fans buying Detroit Rams apparel. They had <laughs> the Rams horns on the goddamn lion logo. It was the most embarrassing thing I've ever seen. Um, you know. I'm happy. At the end of the day, I can't fault Matthew Stafford. He played 12 years here, or some god awful, you know, in 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 this god awful sports city, uh, for maybe the worst franchise in all of professional sports, owned by the totally inept and incapable Ford family. Um, at the end of the day, he went to a powerhouse team that has completely sold the farm to to win it all this year and they they actually got it done which is like really surprising and um, rare a lot of the, a lot of the times we see these like super teams you know fall on their ass and fail um but you know he's going to he has his ring now and he's probably going to go into the hall of fame wearing a rams jersey or you know putting on a rams hat which is kind of uh I, I think a lot of the Detroit fans are going to be butthurt when that day comes and he's not going to be wearing that old, you know, that Lions logo. And I think, mm. you know, you know, their comeuppance is coming, you know. Uh, they're going to see that, you know, his legacy is now cemented as a Ram. You know, he yeah. has that all-star receiver in Cooper Cup, you know, pretty pretty much, you know, his Calvin Johnson 2.0. Um, I think a lot of his Lions history has been whitewashed by winning a Super Bowl. Um, so yeah, uh, kind of. I'm I'm more down bad about the the people that bought Detroit Rams apparel than I am <laughs> about Matthew Stafford. Um, you know, at the end of the day, they woke up on Monday morning today and they had to reckon with the idea that they spent you know twenty five thirty bucks on a Detroit Rams shirt. And, you know, what are you going to do with that now? You're going <laughs> to wear it next year. You know when the Lions when the Lions are two and fifteen this next season, and the Rams, you know, might make another run. Who knows? You know, they they have a lot of rebuilding to do themselves after a lot of these contracts expire and stuff. Um, so yeah, uh, sorry for my long monologue, a triple header of down badness. Uh, I'm sure I could have found two or three more things to be upset mm-hmm. about, but you know, I'm I'm about all tapped out. So, uh, yeah, that's that that's me for the day. Thank you. All right. I think it's my time to just, you know, wrap up this uh, wrap up this pod. But the one thing I have to say about that, that whole Stafford thing is, like I mentioned earlier, uh, living in Wisconsin with a bunch of Packer fans and not being a Packer fan. uh, If you're from the area, you'll know Packer fans love to talk. uh, And um, my sister is a Lions fan, like a pretty big Lions fan. And uh, I always hear Packer fans would talk trash to her about like Stafford not being able to win big games and, and kind of like sucking in the big moment. And uh, I'm just laughing and I'm just gritting ear to ear that Stafford played 12 years in Detroit and now has as many rings as Aaron Rodgers, who, I mean, I didn't even want to get started about the, the Packer fans that claim he's the greatest quarterback of all time. I mean, I'm not one that's all about like rings or everything, rings or everything. I hate that argument because I don't think they're everything, but I mean, when Tom Brady has seven rings and Aaron Rodgers has one, when it's a, when it's a six championship difference and arguably the hardest sport in the world to win a championship. I mean, I mean, 
I'm done with this Aaron Rodgers talk, but I just I just love that now forever. We can say Stafford has as many rings uh, as Aaron Rodgers and maybe has a chance to get more because he's he's probably got at least a few years left and they've got a pretty good team over there. Granted, they have a lot of people to resign, but, you know, got a pretty good team. I'm just I'm just so happy that Stafford has as many rings as Aaron Rodgers. Cause it's one more thing for me to just kind of, you know, chuckle at uh, when Packer fans would say he couldn't win a playoff game. Um but I think I'm going to wrap it up now. That, that's going to do it for this one. We really appreciate you guys listening. It was a pretty long episode. We're, we're almost pushing two hours here, but uh, we're still getting used to talking about matches, doing predictions in the same episode. Got a lot to talk about. Um, looking at potentially doing something new next week because obviously we're not going to have predictions to do. Um, no regular season matches. Uh, not this coming weekend, but the following. Uh, and no matches in general because there is a week off and a weekend off before the major. Uh, we have a format idea in mind that we'd like to do for the rest of the year. I think you guys will really enjoy it. Uh, there'll be some uh, like actual like visual video content involved, so the folks on YouTube will probably very much enjoy that. Uh, but that's going to do it for this one. We really appreciate you guys tuning in on audio platforms. If you're there, be sure to uh, drop a follow, drop a review. If you're on YouTube, like I said, leave a comment down below. We'd love to respond to them. Uh, Drop a like, subscribe. We're on the road to 400 subs, very close. We'd appreciate all of you uh, that listen and aren't subbed. If you drop a sub and continue to rock with us, that'd be fantastic. That's going to do it for this one. We will see you in the next one uh, when we have our bracket for the major all revealed and we do a potential new segment. So that's going to do it for this one, and we will see you guys in the next one. Thanks for watching.